audience that ever exists. And it doesn't matter whether it's a large audience or a small audience. There is someone or there may be someone who's hearing the last sermon they'll ever hear. It doesn't have to be some major event such as a 9-11 or a suicide bombing that triggers the fact that it's their last sermon. It's just the natural course of life sometimes. I remember when I was a boy preacher. I was preaching at a congregation up on the north side of Lake of the Pines called Mims Chapel. We had a very dear man there named Oren Norwood. He had had heart problems through the years. He had had a heart attack. He had retired as a air traffic controller out of the Amarillo area and moved to East Texas so he could fish at Lake of the Pines. And I had been a guest in their home numerous times for Sunday dinner. He had missed a Sunday because he had been in the hospital because he had had a heart incident. And on a Sunday morning, he was back the next Sunday, and we were talking out on the porch between Bible class and worship. And I said, well, Brother Norwood, how are you feeling today? He said, well, I feel pretty good, but he said, I get very distraught when I read the paper. And I said, why is that? And he had a great sense of humor. He said, well, every time I pick up the paper, I read about people dying that never had died before. On Thursday of that week, I preached the first funeral this boy preacher ever preached. And it was his. I had no way of knowing that was the last conversation that he and I would ever have. It was after that, I was working with the church at Wascom, Texas. My grandfather was preaching there. I was the associate minister. I taught the Sunday morning Bible class, I led the singing, and I preached one Sunday a month. It was my Sunday to preach. My grandmother was sitting in the audience. After church, she fixed Sunday dinner. After dinner, Granddad and I had a business meeting that afternoon at the church, and she said, you boys want some coffee when you get home from business meeting? You bet. We got home from business meeting that afternoon. Her dress that she had worn that morning was laying over the chair in her bedroom so she could put it on for services that night. Her shoes were at the edge of the bed. The coffee had just finished making when we got back from business meeting and we found her dead on the bathroom floor. I had no way of knowing that that morning was the last sermon she'd ever hear. And then, if you want to bring it just a little closer to home and bring it down where we live, it was in June of last year that we were planning to take a vacation. Norman, myself, Brian, Abby, Matt, and Ryan, and the two boys. And we had Sunday dinner at our house, and of course Ted and Joyce Holt were there. And they got ready to leave after lunch. And Joyce says, y'all take lots of good pictures. I want to see them when I get back. 
on Friday of that week, Sarah called us in Tennessee or in North Carolina and told us that Joyce was in the hospital. She'd had a massive stroke and was unresponsive. She passed away the next week and then we had her funeral. I didn't realize that that Sunday when I told her that we'd take lots of pictures, I'd never get to show her those pictures. You see, that's the truth of it. In any audience, at any given time, someone might be hearing the last sermon they'll ever hear. At any moment, on any Lord's Day, I might be preaching the last sermon I'll ever preach. And I wonder about that sometimes. I ponder over it. Everybody says, well, you know, you've got an easy gig. All you have to do is work one day a week. Have you ever thought about what goes into that time one day a week? Thinking about different individuals and different souls and the varying needs of those souls. And what can I say that would best meet those needs? And then pondering what I just mentioned, if this was the last time I'd ever stand before any group of people and attempt in my feeble way to proclaim the unsearchable riches of the kingdom of heaven, what would I want to say? If I knew this was the last sermon you'd ever hear, what would I want to preach about? If it was the last sermon I'd ever preach, what am I going to say? In the Bible, we have an instance like this. An occasion where so far as we know, there's a man who heard the only gospel sermon he ever heard in his life. An occasion where a preacher, so far as we know, preached the only sermon he would ever preach to this man. And our story takes place in the 8th division of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, a book that Dr. Luke records for us. There's an Ethiopian nobleman there, a eunuch, a man of great authority. He was what we would call the Secretary of the Treasury under Candace, the Queen of Ethiopia. And this man had been to Jerusalem to the temple to worship. And he had traveled almost a thousand miles from his homeland to do that. And having fulfilled his obligations at the temple, he's in his chariot making his way back toward Africa and his work. And that's when God sent a preacher to him to bring to him the message of salvation. And as they traveled along that road from Jerusalem to Gaza, the sermon was preached. I want you to read with me from Acts chapter 8. I'm going to begin with verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, 
He had been in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his sharer, so opened he not his dumb, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? Of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He preached Jesus to him. I'm sure that he began with the prophecy he was reading from. Isaiah. And to preach Jesus, he started with the prophecies, perhaps probably with Isaiah 7.14. Where Isaiah wrote, Behold, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a son and call His name Jesus. And He'll save His people from their sins. And then perhaps he went to that beautiful 53rd chapter of Isaiah. The one that pictures Jesus for us in such great detail. The 53rd chapter is where that eunuch was actually reading from. Where it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed Him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And no doubt, as they rode along the road, Philip the evangelist would tell him more and more of those prophecies in the Old Testament. Those prophecies that told of the coming Messiah. Those prophecies that told of the Son of God coming into this world. The prophecies that told of His birth in Bethlehem. And as the chariot wheels rolled on down the road, no doubt Philip would have told about the birth in Bethlehem. About how that Mary and Joseph were there and there was no room in the inn for them in Bethlehem. And so Jesus, the Son of God, the, the one that the prophets had spoken of, was born in a, in a stable reserved for the livestock. And as they rode along that same road that Joseph and Mary had traveled, this would have become so clear to him because into the hillsides along the way were these 
You see, the stable was not a barn that Jesus was born. It wouldn't have been a barn like we envisioned, but it would have been a stable, actually a cave cut out into the hillside. And he could have explained to that eunuch how that was the kind of place where God's Son was born, where Jesus, the man you're reading about here in Isaiah's prophecy, He was born in, in a cave just like that over there. And He would have told him how that Herod wanted to destroy all the babies and that how that the young child and his parents had to flee down to Egypt and stay a while there. And then he would have said, and then, you know, he came to Jerusalem when he was 12. And all the family was there and they, they left Jerusalem and they traveled a whole day and realized that he wasn't with them. You know, today CPS would have a field day with that, wouldn't they? But Jesus wasn't with them. And they got to make camp that night after they left Jerusalem. And where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And they had to make their way back. And where did they find Him? They found Him in the temple. With the lawyers, the doctors, the, the learned men, the wise men. He was asking and answering them questions. And His mother said, What have you mean? You troubled me and your father. Your father and I worried to death about you. And He said, Don't you know? I must be about my father's business. And so Philip would have told him about the business of the father. He would have told him how that in the fullness of time, John the Baptist was preaching around the river Jordan. And John was, was preaching repentance. And Jesus comes out into the, to the Jordan to John to be baptized of him. And John forbids him and says, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus said, we've got to do this because we've got to fulfill all righteousness. We've got to fulfill all commandments. So he would have told about Jesus being baptized by John. And then about after his baptism, he went into the wilderness all alone and met the arch enemy of mankind, the devil himself, in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And the devil tempted him in every way known to man. Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. The devil tempted him because of that. He said, you see these stones, if you're really the Son of God, you command that those stones be made bread. And Jesus looked the devil right in the eye and he said, it is written. It is written, he said. And he told him about the bread of life. He said, you, you command these stones to be made bread. No, can't do that. So he takes him, tempts him another way. He tempts him by taking him up to a pinnacle of the temple. He said, if you're really the Son of God, cast yourself down. He'll give His angels charge concerning thee, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said, no. It is written. Just like it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So the devil tries something else. He takes him to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you all of this if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, it's written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. And after that, the devil left him. And it was after Jesus' temptation that He began His personal ministry. And I know Philip would have told the eunuch about the ministry of Jesus. He would have told him about His active ministry that He started then. He would have told him about him choosing those twelve apostles, Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and, and all the others that he chose. 
He would have told him about how very early in his ministry, Jesus went into the temple and he saw the money changers there. And he drove the money changers out of the temple. And he said, it's written, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And since that eunuch had just returned from the temple worship, the money changers and the sellers of sacrifices would have been very real and very vibrant in his mind. He had said, oh, and you should have seen the miracles he performed. The widow's son at Nain that he raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter that he raised from the dead. And then when he went to the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth. He would have told him about all the other miracles. The blind that he made to see. The deaf that he made to hear. The lame that he made to walk. And he probably would have closed and told him something like John said in John 20 and verse 30 and 31. When John said many other signs, truly did Jesus in the presence of his Disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe. And believing you might have life through His name. He'd have told him about other instances during the ministry of Jesus. About him sitting with that woman on J- at Jacob's well, that outcast Samaritan woman. But Jesus told her that that water of life was for her just like it was for anybody else. He said, I know you've been married five times. I know the man you're living with now is not your husband. But I know that's not the kind of life you wanted. And this living water is water that's for you. He would have told about, he would have told about that time that Jesus was teaching. And they brought that woman caught in adultery and threw her down at His feet. And Jesus said to those Pharisees, Well, let the one that's without sin among you throw the first stone. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones. They ran away. Jesus asked the woman, he said, where are your accusers? Does no man condemn you? He said, no man, Lord. She said, he said, then neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now notice, Jesus didn't condone her sin. He didn't say that I approve of the life you've lived. But I'm not going to condemn you. But go and sin no more. He probably would have even mentioned the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Those things where Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Where Jesus said, let your light shine before men. Where Jesus said, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. But there would have also been some other important things that Philip would have covered in that sermon. He would have no doubt mentioned the events of Matthew 17. Where after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain. And was transfigured before them, and his face shone as the sun, his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And then Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you would, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear you Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be going. When they lifted their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. He would have talked about what happened there on that mountain of transfiguration. And telling about what happened on that mountain of transfiguration, that would be the way Philip would show that Ethiopian that the old law had been fulfilled. And Jesus had come in, ushering in the new. The chariot wheels are rolling on toward Africa. And as the day wears on, no doubt, 
Philip told him about the crucifixion. How that because of the life he had lived and because of his commands and because of the things he told them, Jesus had incurred the hatred of the high priest and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and they looked for a way they could kill him. And they finally found that way and how that one of the original twelve, Judas Iscariot, for thirty pieces of silver sold Jesus. He would have told about the mockery of a trial. How cruel hands thrust a crown of thorns on his head. How Jesus was scourged as any common criminal would be scourged. And he would have told him about how that rough hands took him and stretched him out and nailed him to a rough-hewn wooden cross. And hanging there, suspended between heaven and earth, Jesus died. He would have described it in detail with all the pain, with all the agony that Jesus endured. And I like to think that then He might have stopped and paused for a moment and just looked at that eunuch. And the eunuch said, isn't there more to the story than that? And Philip would have said, oh yes. Yes, there's more. There's much more. He'd have told him about Jesus being buried in the new tomb belonged to Joseph. And about early in the morning, Mary and the others coming to the tomb and finding it empty. He would have told about Jesus walking to Emmaus with the two disciples that were so downtrodden because they'd seen Jesus die. And they didn't realize that Jesus was walking with them until they got to their little humble home and Jesus offered the blessing for their evening meal. He would have told him how that Jesus spent the 40 days between His resurrection from the dead and His ascension back to the Father instructing them in the things concerning the kingdom of God. That's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Then He would have said, oh, and you should have been there on Pentecost. Fifty days after the resurrection there in Jerusalem where Jesus had died, Peter preached that day. And he told those people, he said, this same Jesus you've crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And that very day, 3,000 souls were baptized and added to the 120. And our number began to grow. And somewhere in that sermon, there had to be a mention of the life to come. Maybe Philip even used Jesus' own words from John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there you might be also. And he might have even chose to use Jesus' words from Matthew 7. Where Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name we've done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. For every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. 
The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, they beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Guess what? Philip preached Jesus to that man. And the sermon was finished. Now let's take up our reading in Acts 8 where we stopped a few moments ago. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached to him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, rejoicing. You see, somewhere in that sermon, maybe it was when Peter preached on Pentecost. And those people that day said, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And they were added to them that day about 3,000 souls. But somewhere in that sermon, baptism was mentioned. And so as the chariot wheels rolled down the road, the eunuch turns to Philip. He said, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip looked at him and he said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. They commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This... Beloved friends, is the story of the man from Ethiopia. When our story begins, he's a religious man, but he's not a Christian. He's living in darkness. As our story closes, he's a child of God. And here is how he comes from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And it's a very simple story. He heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached because Philip preached to him Jesus. He believed it. He repented of his sins. He confessed the name of Christ. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he was baptized for the forgiveness of those sins. And when that happened, God added him to his family, to the church. And he was a Christian. Nothing more than a Christian, nothing less than a Christian, nothing else but a Christian. Just a simple New Testament Christian. But there's a very important lesson here. We have the same God. The same Jesus. The same church. The same plan of salvation. The same need to be saved. That the eunuch from Ethiopia had. And we can be saved just that same way. Now the answer to the question at the very beginning of this lesson. If I knew that this morning I was preaching the very last sermon I would ever preach. Or if I knew that you were hearing the very last sermon you would ever hear. I would do one simple thing. I would preach Jesus. It's His invitation as we stand and while we sing.